What is up guys, it is Quinn here. And in this video, we're gonna be jumping into my running back start sets heading into week five. So going through all 16 week five matchups, talking about every single fantasy relevant running back and then listing them as either a start or a sit. So do I trust them in my lineup or do I wanna have them on the bench or you know maybe not even on my roster? While you guys are watching, if you do enjoy the content, just do me a huge favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. It really helps me out a ton. If you guys have any fantasy questions, you guys can drop those down below. I'll be getting back to every single person. And if you guys are interested in signing up for Underdog, hopping into some weekly drafts, doing some pickums, or maybe doing some best ball resurrection, which is scoring from week six through the rest of the season, kind of like a new fresh best ball format, new ADP, all of that. If you guys sign up using code Quinn, the link is down below. They will double your first deposit up to $100. So if you guys are interested in that, the link will be in the description. But let's jump into the first matchup, Thursday Night Football. And you guys will notice something a little bit different about the graphic. So, you know, typically through four weeks, I had a start section, I had a sit section. And someone commented, I don't know if it was last week, two weeks ago, they were kind of saying that maybe it would be a nice idea to have like a borderline section where, you know, sometimes I talk about, oh, this player's a start, but they're right on the fringe. So I added that in. I thought it was a good idea. So I have a start section, a fringe section, and then a sit section. And so the way the fringe one is going to operate, these are players that I originally would have listed as starts but they're like super low quality. Guys, I'm not super excited about throwing into my lineup. So that's kind of like the differentiation here, the sits. They're still gonna be the same quality of sits. Fringe are just gonna be like rougher starts where maybe if you're in a pinch, you could throw these guys into your lineups. So they're still startable, but not dudes you're super excited about. So this Thursday night matchup, we have the Colts taking on the Denver Broncos. And for the Colts here, the obvious kind of shakeup is the injury to Jonathan Taylor. So we're not exactly sure what's going on with JT. We originally were hearing high ankle sprain. Maybe there's some optimism. It is not that serious. Maybe only missing a few weeks. I would be pretty surprised if he does play here on Thursday. It's a quick turnaround, even if it's not a high ankle sprain. So I'm going to be assuming that JT is out for this video. Obviously, if JT plays, he's locked and loaded as a start. But this backfield is really a mystery with Jonathan Taylor out. When we're looking at the overall workload throughout the season, Jonathan Taylor has 81 carries through four games. You have Naheem Hines sitting at eight carries. And then the only other running back who has carried the ball is Deion Jackson, who has two carries. So in this situation, I'm going to be starting Naheem Hines, and then I'm just going to be sitting whatever running back they have. If they're going to let Deion Jackson operate as the early down guy, he's a sit. If they bring someone up from the practice squad, they're going to be a sit. I feel like this split is going to be something where we're seeing Hines kind of splitting the carries, you know, maybe like 50-50, but then he's going to be taking over all the third down work, getting a lot of receiving opportunities. So I'm not expecting Hines to come in here and just take over the Jonathan Taylor workload. He's not that type of running back, but I think we're definitely going to see a bump up in his carries. He's going to have that same receiving role. And then we just can't start whatever running back is kind of splitting the touches here. Jonathan Taylor is a guy who hasn't even been efficient the past few weeks. If JT is not producing with this offensive line, I can promise you Deion Jackson or whatever practice squad dude, he's not going to fare very well. So Hines is a start, sitting everyone else in that backfield. Another team dealing with an injury at the running back position is the Broncos. Very unfortunate news. We found out that Javante Williams suffered a torn ACL. So he's done for the season. And coming into the year, like this would be, okay, Melvin Gordon to the moon, 
Melvin Gordon's going to be a stud. He's going to be the workhorse. He's going to be like a top 15, top 12 running back. That's one of the reasons why I was drafting Melvin Gordon, you know, in a lot of leagues, because I thought he was kind of like a discount AJ Dillon, a discount Tony Pollard, where he's going to have a weekly role. But then if uh, Javante does go down, Melvin Gordon can take that next step up and be a really strong fantasy piece. It just so happens now that this is looking like a two-man committee with Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone. We've seen Melvin Gordon really struggle through four weeks. He has four fumbles in four games. He fumbled uh, in week four, returned for a touchdown, and then he essentially got benched. Then we saw Mike Boone come in once Javante went down, and then Boone was terrible. He had a drop. He didn't look good. So basically, we're dealing with two running backs who have definitely underperformed you know, to start off this season. So I have Melvin Gordon listed on the fringe. And I could see, you know, you wanting to start Melvin Gordon, but I just feel like the floor is so low. And then for Mike Boone, I feel like the same thing. There's just so much uncertainty here. If this offense was firing on all cylinders, I think we could consider both of these guys startable. But the problem is like the run game hasn't been good. It's not like Javante was lighting up the stat sheet with his workload. So we're kind of just taking a shot on whatever guy is going to have the, you know, starting role. And I would lean toward Melvin Gordon, but I still think it's going to be a split. And so I don't really think we can truly trust either guy. But if you're throwing in Melvin Gordon, I think you could do worse at the running back position. Like I know in one of my leagues, I kind of went like hero RB. And so Melvin Gordon's going to be in my lineup, but I'm definitely not loving it. The next matchup is going to be another London game between the Giants and the Packers. And really not much to talk about here. Saquon Barkley, arguably the number one running back in fantasy moving forward, probably between him and Christian McCaffrey. And then for the Packers, Still starting Aaron Jones, still starting A.J. Dillon. I feel like I say this about a ton of running backs every week. The workload is there. The touchdowns just have not come. This could be a game where they each kind of get into the end zone, but we got to chase the workload. We can't be panicking off of these guys. I still think they're both very strong starts this week. And like I said, this could be the matchup where we see some big games out of these guys. Then we have the Steelers taking on the Bills. We're obviously starting Najee Harris. He hasn't exactly had the hottest start to the season. The receiving role in his last performance on week four was unfortunate. We have Kenny Pickett coming in. Maybe that can kind of ignite Najee Harris here. We'll see, but regardless, he's still going to be a start in your lineup. On the other side with the Bills, definitely want to talk about Devin Singletary here because he went from like a back end running back three in a committee to now a very strong start and probably like a top 24 guy moving forward. I talked about him as a sell high after week three. You know, at the time, I thought that was a smart play, but he has just continued to take over this backfield. Like I said, it started as a committee, but he is now the guy. He had an 87% snap share in week four. He ran 91% of the running back routes out of the backfield. He had 83% of the running back targets, and he has 79% of the running back carries So that is strong, strong usage in a top offense like the Bills. That's someone who needs to be in your lineup in most leagues. Next game is between the Chargers and the Browns. Don't need to spend a ton of time here. Obviously, you're starting Austin Eckler. Obviously, you're starting Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt hasn't exactly torn it up the last few weeks, but I talk about this a lot with this backfield. Week one, Kareem Hunt got the touchdowns. Week two, week three, week four, we've seen them go to Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt's going to have his games where he gets into the end zone. He has a solid weekly workload. So those guys are both going to be starts for the Browns. Then we have the Texans traveling to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. And for this Texans backfield, it's pretty much been like what we've seen the last two weeks with these guys, 
We have Damian Pierce getting the early down work, Rex Burkhead on third downs. I think uh, Damian Pierce's stat line was a little misleading because he did see six targets, but just looking at the way they were used, this just seemed like a kind of fluky result, at least in my opinion. We saw Pierce take 94% of the early down snaps and then 100% of the short yardage snaps. On the other side with Burkhead, we saw him take 92% of the third downs and then 100% of the two-minute drills. So obviously those are the receiving opportunities. We continue to see Damian Pierce just dominate You know the uh, overall carry load. Like Rex Burkhead is just not involved on the ground at all, but he is consistently involved on third down You know in the two-minute drills as a pass catcher. This is probably going to be a tougher matchup against the Jaguars. The whole thing with Damian Pierce here and why I talked about him as a uh, sell high last week, he's not going to be someone who's great in matchups where they're losing, right? Like he busted out like a 75-yard touchdown last week. So obviously that's going to carry his production. But in games where they're down, it's going to favor Rex Burkhead because he is the pass catching guy. I still think Damian Pierce is very talented and is going to be probably around a top 24 running back moving forward. But that is kind of like the archetype he falls in, kind of like that Damian Harris, you know, mold, but, you know, not a guy sharing with Ramondre Stevenson, a lesser version of Ramondre. On the other side with the Jaguars, I also want to break down this backfield because I have James Robinson listed as a firm start, and I do have Travis Etienne listed as a sit. And some of you guys might be confused on this because we actually did see Travis Etienne outsnap James Robinson for the first time this season. We saw Etienne get 24 snaps. James Robinson only had 22. And like full transparency, I've talked about this in a few different videos. I was very high on Travis Etienne coming into the season. So this isn't a situation where like I'm an ETN hater or like I love James Robinson. Like I was in on ETN. I don't really have many shares of James Robinson. And I still think J-Rob is going to be the guy moving forward. Like the last week's performance uh, with the Jaguars going up against the Eagles, that would have been the perfect game script for Travis Etienne to kind of have a breakout, put together a nice performance, right? We have James Robinson getting the early down work. He's probably going to be getting the goal line opportunities. Travis Etienne is more of that third down back. So in a game where they were losing, you know, the entire second half, that really should have been Etienne's opportunity to put up numbers. And it just didn't happen. He only logged eight carries, wasn't even targeted one time. So we're looking at this matchup against the Texans. I expect J-Rob to have a healthy dose of carries, and I think he can have a very, very big day against the Texans. Texans just got torn up by Austin Eckler. I think James Robinson really can put together a top 10 running back finish this week. So he's definitely not someone I'm panicking on, you know, after one down game. Then we have a divisional matchup between the Bears and the Vikings. And on the bear side, we still have some things up in the air here. So right now you can see I have Khalil Herbert listed as a start. This is obviously assuming that David Montgomery is going to miss. Montgomery's injury has kind of been pretty ambiguous so far. So, you know, like I said, if Montgomery is out, Herbert's going to be a start. If Montgomery is back and there's no, you know, talk about him being super limited, if it looks like he's going to retain his role, then I start Montgomery and I sit Khalil Herbert. On the other side with the Vikings, we're starting Dalvin Cook, sitting Alexander Madison. Madison is still a very, very valuable handcuff. We actually saw him score a touchdown in that London game, which I'm sure uh, all you Dalvin Cook owners out there were not super excited about. But Cook is still getting you know, a ton of work in that backfield. He is still dominating the overall opportunities. That leads us into the Lions taking on the Patriots. For this Lions team, I'm assuming Swift is going to be out again. And if Swift is out, you have to fire up Jamal Williams as a very strong start. 
coming off of a very big game. We also saw Craig Reynolds get pretty involved in that uh, week four matchup. I think he was getting in on a lot of those third downs. He had a decent snap share, but he just didn't really uh, rack up the carries to be someone who's relevant this week. So he's going to be getting in, you know, here and there, but not someone I want to be starting. On the other side with the Patriots, Ramondre and Damian Harris just continue to produce for fantasy in the same backfield. I had some concerns with Mac Jones going down. You know, would they both be getting enough opportunities? Would this offense be efficient? Could they move the ball? It was happening. They were moving the ball, and now they have a fantastic matchup against the Lions. The Lions just get carved up every single week. We just saw Rashad Penny just destroy them on the ground. So I think we could see Ramondre and Damian Harris both having massive games. And when I put out my weekly rankings, I really wouldn't be shocked if both of these dudes are like sitting in my top 20. Normally you see them as high-end running back threes. In this matchup, I could see them being much, much higher than they normally kind of slot in. Moving over to a guy I just talked about, we have the Seahawks taking on the Saints. And so Rashad Penny's a dude who didn't really do much through three weeks. He was pretty disappointing, a potential cut candidate. He comes out against the Lions, tears it up, puts up monster fantasy numbers. He's someone that I talked about in my sell high video, and he's going to slot in on the fringe here. And you may be wondering, like, how does a dude have a big game like that? And then you put him on the fringe of being startable. I think you can put him in your lineup, but I really would be tempering expectations here. Saints are a tough defense to run against. We just saw Dalvin Cook kind of struggle against them on Sunday morning. And then this is still a gross Seahawks backfield. Rashad Penny has very little receiving upside. You've got Kenneth Walker kind of filtering in, getting opportunities. So I'm still a little skeptical on Penny moving forward. And then you'll be sitting Kenneth Walker. Just hasn't carved out a big enough role yet. On the other side with the Saints, I'm going to be assuming that Alvin Kamara is back. If Kamara's playing, you're obviously starting him. If Kamara's out, I guess Mark Ingram would be the guy. He's someone I'd have to be pretty desperate to play into my lineup. Just someone who doesn't seem to have a ton of juice anymore. No upside in that slot. So, you know, I guess he'd fall in the fringe category, but I would try to be avoiding Mark Andrews in my lineup. Hopefully Kamara does return and returns to his normal form. Next matchup is between the Dolphins and the Jets. And I do want to break down this Dolphins backfield because it is just all over the place. If we're just looking at overall fantasy production, it looks like Chase Edmonds is the running back one here. Mostert is the clear-cut running back two. This really could not be farther from the truth. We saw Chase Edmonds get absolutely dominated by Mostert in the week four usage. Edmonds obviously still got a touchdown, but Mostert had a 72% snap share to Edmonds 28 Mostert took 75% of the early downs. He took 75% of the goal line snaps. He took 50% of the short yardage. And then he took 100% of the two-minute drill and then 57% of the third downs. So just dominant, like at worst, the worst category, he was splitting 50-50 with Chase Edmonds. We saw him have 15 carries to Edmonds 5. They each had three targets. So far, Edmonds' only redeeming quality has been touchdowns. And it was something where last week I was like, we can start him because he is getting like some goal line looks. He has touchdown upside, but we cannot be relying on that anymore if two is the quarterback. And also like the snapshot at this point is just too extreme. It wasn't this bad heading into week four, but with two out, the touchdowns probably aren't going to be there like they were before. We got to be starting the guy. If we're going to choose to start one of these dudes, we have to start the guy who's actually getting the workload. So Mostert's on the fringe. 
Chase Edmonds is going to be a sit. If you can throw in Chase Edmonds in like a two-for-one deal, I think it's something that you guys should definitely be looking into. And then on the other side, basically just doing like the weekly rundown of Brees Hall becoming the RB1. Loved Brees Hall coming into the season, love him for Dynasty, loved him for redraft, and he just continues to pull away as the number one in this backfield. He took 66% of the snaps. He took all the goal line snaps, which is very important, 67% of the third downs. Those are the opportunities we want. He's getting receiving work. He's getting the touchdown opportunities. We saw him basically score that game-winning touchdown. They had him in there for that slot. And then him and Carter are basically splitting the two-minute drills. And I feel like that is uh, actually pretty telling because typically you want the guy who's super comfortable in the offense. That would be Michael Carter. He's a sophomore. Brees Hall is obviously a rookie. If Brees Hall's sitting at 50-50 there, dominating the other important uh, areas, I just think Brees Hall is someone who's just going to continue to rise in value. And at this point, we can't even be considering starting Michael Carter. Then we go into a divisional matchup between the Falcons and the Buccaneers. For the Falcons, unfortunate news, we found out that Cordero Patterson is going on IR with his knee injury. And so some people may be super excited to go out, fire up Tyler Algier in their lineup. I'm going to be you know, pushing back on that a little bit. I didn't talk about Algier in my waiver wire pickups just because we didn't really know about this Patterson going on IR thing. Uh, Algier is definitely a top pickup heading into the week five games, but he's not someone I want to be throwing into my lineup here in week five. And let me just kind of like break this down. So Cordero Patterson kind of played a limited role on Sunday. We saw Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley operate as like the, I guess, RB2, 3, RB1, 3. Like it was just kind of a mess here between those three running backs. But Algier and Huntley each saw 10 carries. So they were dead even in carries. Algier had one target. Huntley had zero. They're now going up against the Buccaneers, who obviously just got shredded by the Chiefs but they were a really strong defense up until that game. The Falcons aren't even comparable to the Chiefs, typically have a very strong run defense, not exactly as great this year. We saw the Chiefs run on them, but that's like a weird game script thing. But even like before that, like Vita Vea has seemed more human than he has in years past. They have Akeem Hicks go down, they didn't bring back Sue. So it's not the same run defense we've seen in previous years, but it's still a pretty strong one. I would be expecting the Buccaneers to kind of turn this into a blowout, especially looking at how their offense looked at the uh, Sunday night football game. So I just think this is a really rough matchup for an offense that's probably not going to throw a ton to their running backs. I feel like the scoring opportunities are going to be limited. And if it's a split, it's just not a situation where I want to be starting either of these guys. On the other side with the Buccaneers, we saw actually Rashad White really kind of filter in on this Bucs offense. Personally, I'm a big Rashad White guy. I have him on a ton of my teams. I always hype him up on the waiver wire. I don't think this is something that is going to stick. We saw Leonard Fournette just dominate the opportunities through three weeks. I do think they want to filter in another running back just to give Lenny some rest. But this was like a weird game script thing. You know, Leonard Fournette finished with negative three rushing yards. And, you know, that may be concerning to some people. The issue there is that the uh, overall um, play calling for the Buccaneers is just atrocious until they're getting murdered. If you guys watch that game, I think on like the first two possessions, they had four first downs. Three of them were runs. That's what they've been doing the entire season. First down run for one yard, negative one yards, negative two yards. Then it puts the offense in a hole. So they kind of switched it up. They went with Rashad White. 
They then went super pass heavy the rest of the game and found success. So I do think Rashad White's going to filter in here and there, but I don't think it's going to be a situation where he's taking like full drives like he was in that Chiefs game. I still think Leonard Fournette is a very strong start, and I love Rashad White as a handcuff. I think his value just continues to grow if he is getting like weekly opportunities. Then we've got the Titans taking on the Commanders. For the Titans, obviously you are firing up Derrick Henry as a running back one. And then for the Commanders, an interesting spot here. Gibson has just been on a straight downward trajectory since week four. I talked about him as a sell high after week one. Hopefully you guys got out then. Maybe you got out after week two, week three. At this point, his value is basically cratered. We saw McKissick outsnap Gibson in week four. We even saw Jonathan Williams out there getting involved, getting a few carries here and there. I think he almost um, outrushed uh, Antonio Gibson on significantly less attempts. So not great to see there. It's very likely that Brian Robinson is going to be back here in week five. So I think in this backfield, if I could just choose one running back, just pick one, put him on my team, it would be Brian Robinson. I do not have him listed as a start this week though. I just think this could be a gross committee to start out, but I do think Brian Robinson could kind of pull away and be someone who is startable in the future. And now moving over to the 49ers taking on the Panthers. Two pretty clear cut options here. We're definitely starting Jeff Wilson, getting a solid number of carries on a strong rushing attack. And then for the Panthers, good to see Christian McCaffrey finally just go out, have a CMC level game, dominant in the receiving game. Baker, I guess, was at least getting them some opportunities. So you continue to fire up CMC as a high-end running back one. Then we have the Eagles taking on the Cardinals. Two guys that I think are both solid starts, Miles Sanders and James Conner. Actually talked about both of those guys in my trade videos. One was a sell high, one was a uh, buy low. Next matchup, Cowboys taking on the Rams. Not exactly a super exciting running back matchup here on either side. I've delegated or I've guess demoted Zeke and Pollard to like this fringe area and they're very on the fringe. Now I did see a report that Dak Prescott is pushing to play in week five. If Dak is back, I think you could bump both of these guys up to starts, not like ecstatic starts, but guys that are startable. If Cooper Rush is the quarterback again, they both have to be on the fringe. Zeke is just not going to give the touchdown upside that he needs without Dak in the lineup. He's getting very little receiving work. Pollard just can't be relied upon, I guess, in the same way that Zeke can't. On the other side with the Rams, it's even grosser here. We've got basically a 50-50 split between Henderson and Akers on an offense that is definitely struggling, a banged up offensive line, want no part of that backfield right now. Then we have Sunday Night Football, Bengals taking on the Ravens. For the Bengals, you're obviously firing up Joe Mixon. For the Ravens, I actually listed J.K. Dobbins as a sit heading into this game. Obviously, that did not pan out, but we kind of saw what we needed to see out of Dobbins. So I listed him as a sit, if you guys remember, because I was going through the snap count, and I don't even know if he got to 50%, but whatever the snap count was, it was kind of to be expected coming off of that ACL injury. The problem was he had the low snap count, but he didn't get any key opportunities. He wasn't getting the third down work and he wasn't getting the goal line opportunities. So if you're getting 50% of the snaps, but no important touches, you are not going to produce. He only saw 50% of the snaps this week, but he saw 67% of the goal line snaps and also ran 54% of the Ravens running back routes. So those are the opportunities we're looking for. He turned it into two touchdowns, a really solid performance. I think he's someone who's going to continue to gain more and more momentum moving forward, should continue to increase that snap count, 
and is someone who I like as a very solid locked in, probably mid-tier running back two rest of season. And then the final game of the week, Monday Night Football, Raiders taking on the Chiefs. Uh, Josh Jacobs finally had a breakout game. Every week I was talking about him as a guy with solid usage, just didn't have the touchdowns. He puts together a monster game. And then for the Chiefs, you just got to keep firing up Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Definitely has unsustainable touchdown production. You just got to keep rolling with it. I have some concerns long-term. Don't know if he's going to hold on to that role the entire season. But I mean, if you're not going to trade him, if you're going to hold on to him, just continue to fire on the hot hand. And then sitting Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. That is going to wrap it up for my week five running back start sits. If you guys have any questions, drop those down below. Let me know what you guys think of the video. If you did enjoy, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. I'll have the wide receiver start sits coming up today. Also, as always, thank you guys for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.